a lot of media tends to do uh, news about the LGBT community in a pretty victimized way. So that is what I don't want to do in promoting gender fluidity because it's, it should be something liberating. It shouldn't be something that is, you know, a victimized perspective or it shouldn't be something that is very repressed. But it's more about, you know, liberating yourself and finding who you really are. Welcome to the Hong Kong Heartbeat Podcast by Asia Society Hong Kong. This is the podcast that showcases the people, stories, and voices that make Hong Kong a uniquely dynamic and world-class city. Today's guest is Siu Fung Law. I am Siu Fung, and uh, I identified as a gender-fluid person. So I am biologically female, so I'm female assigned. I'm assigned female at birth. I'm socially male, and I compete as a female bodybuilder, and I'm also a professional bodybuilder. From lecturing at the University of Hong Kong to being an ambassador for the upcoming Hong Kong Gay Games in 2022, Siu Feng has been actively advocating for gender inclusion and diversity in Hong Kong and Asia through sharing their stories, experiences, and advice. We caught up with them to hear first about some of their proud moments and their complex journey of LGBTQ advocacy in Hong Kong. Today's episode is in English, and now to Siu Feng. I think there are a lot of proud moments in my life. One of those more intimate ones is when my family finally accepted me as who I am. Because, it, uh, as I said, my, I come from more an educational background. My father is actually a school principal, high school principal. So for a really, really long time, like since I was in high school, I was in his high school. So we always had some struggle about our... You know, about how I perceive myself. And uh, there were conflicts when we were younger, you know, a lot of conflicts. And he didn't really understand, you know, what I was going on. And actually, I didn't know how, you know, what I was going on as well. So, you know, uh, there were pretty much a lot of struggles, a lot of, un, you know, uneasiness um, during my high school period. And my father, you know, it took him, I would say he's not like very, very conservative kind of person. But in terms of like gender and sexuality, he's much more. He's actually teaching biology, so you can imagine. Like, and he is a religious person. He's a Catholic, so um, for him, it's really hard for him to understand that you know uh, there are different kinds of people in the world. And uh, he always would use biology theory to say that you know it has to be between a man and a woman, you know, for whatever reproductive purpose, you know. And I think it took him really a long time. To really understand, you know, I I'm just who I am. So um, and uh, it came finally after 15 years of struggling. Um, last year, um, it should be last year, early of the year. Um, and uh, because it was all came from an incident that um, I actually share um in an interview. So I was actually having a family gathering, and uh, usually I would just watch out, you know, if my family members uh, or relatives were go were heading to the washroom because they didn't know that I go to the male washroom. So at that one time, I was, you know, I really need to, you know, to pee. So I went to just go straight to the men's room, and the moment I opened the room, I saw a very familiar face, and that person say hi to me. And I couldn't respond, and so I just say hi back, and then I just rushed into the cubicle and tried to process what's what's going on, 
And I realized that was my father. My father was there. It was actually, he was looking at me. And I, I actually shared that experience in an interview, saying that it was actually one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. And I didn't know how to do it because my father never talked about it afterwards. He just skip it and ignore it. So I was thinking that, you know, um, was he going to accept me or whatever? Because he had asked me about the washroom problem many years ago when I was much more, when I started to look more masculine in my university. So he was asking, you know, how can you go to the female room when you look like a guy? He did ask me that kind of question. So I was actually pretty wait and I say, oh yeah, um, maybe I go to the disabled washroom sometime and all these things. Um, and that was the first time he actually confronted face to face to me. So um, afterwards, I shared that uh, in, a, in an interview. And um, a few months after the interview was published, um, we were in a family gathering again. And uh, towards the ending of the gathering, my father suddenly pops out and say, "Oh, I want to clarify something." And I say, "What well, are you going to clarify?" And I say, um, "Because he thought I was saying that." he felt embarrassed but I was actually saying I was embarrassed so he said I want to clarify that I was not feeling embarrassed at the time I was actually feeling really happy and proud uh, that I saw you in the male room that day because you were finally being yourself so I was like oh my god so I was like oh I, I couldn't believe it and I couldn't again I couldn't you know process about all these things so it took me a week to understand that, oh, so he was implying that he accept me now? <laughs> so that was how I, you know, that was how that thing goes. So um, from that onward, everything went pretty smooth. So it actually took me 15 years. So I think that was a pretty intimate moment in which um, I feel really proud. And I was even more proud when I took my father, after years of bodybuilding training, taking my father to the gym, and the first time he went to the gym, he thought I was using, he didn't know that I was using a female changing room. So he actually followed me blindly to the female changing room and I had to stop him um, because maybe he thought I was going to the male's, because he saw me in the male's uh, bathroom. So he was imagined that, you know, kind of imagined that I was should, should be going to the male's changing room. And they said, no, that's the female room. You can't come in, you can't come in. So. Um, and that was a really interesting moment. And when he talked to some of my friends at the gym, some are foreigners, so he used English. And he didn't know that at the gym, the gym guys, they, they, they use female pronouns to call me. I didn't actually tell my father before that. So, so he was actually using male pronouns at all the time, you know, when he talked, referred to me. And my friends were like, you know, it's a bit weird. <laughs> so they were like interacting between she and he. And that was really interesting. And I mean, like I, you know, I saw that as a, as a kind of evidence that my father, you know, he tried to adopt to my social presence, but he didn't know that I already had a different kind of dimension in the in the gym and in bodybuilding. He had to take some uh, take some time to actually process all these like you know different pronouns, you know how people call me, uh, in what context, and I, mean, I think that was a very interesting you know experience and exposure for him as well. Um, yeah, so that was a proud moment for me when I was able to take my father to the gym without fear without being afraid that you know if one of my gym buddies were telling something that he didn't know that was a liberating moment um so that was a one Within the LGBT community, especially the transgender community, initially when my first um, media was when my first interview uh was done in on the magazine and newspapers, 
there were actually pretty conflicting or contradicting um, responses from the transgender community. Of course, like from some of those, they are pretty like supportive, you know, it should be celebrated, you know, as part of the transgender you know, identity. But there are a lot more who were very confused because they feel like I am promoting cross-dressing or they see me as a man because I'm socially more masculine and you're wearing some female stuff. So probably you are cross-dressing and then you're advocating to people that transgender people are cross-dressers, which is not correct in there, you know, in the mind. So a lot of people were saying that, you know, I shouldn't say or shouldn't identify myself as part of the transgender community. You know, you should separate from us, you know, kind of. So there were like pretty conflicting ideas on that because there some would say, okay, well, it's part of, you know, you're part of the transgender community. Then some of those say, you know, you are not. So you should, maybe you're queer. So you should be going to the queer community, but not putting, you know, the transgender identity in front of the spotlight, you know, in a misleading way. So that's, that's how they, they phrase it. So. It took me a while, probably one or two, at least one or two more years, before uh, more people from the more migrant perspective could be able to start, you know, liberating themselves a little bit, <laughs> um, to actually understand that there are actually a lot of like non-binary people who could be part of the transgender community. So um, yeah, it took me at least two years, I think, for some of them to actually, you know, to have um, less rigid ideas about like gender, sex and body. So that was how that was how the transgender community respond. And there were actually people calling me and asking me, you know, people who are researching in transgender issues, asking me if, you know, what do you think? Do you think of yourself as a transgender person? Uh, because of, you know, you advocating all this gender fluidity and everything. And usually my response would be that, you know, academically, transgender is actually an umbrella term. But locally, as for activism, for easier, for people, for, for people to be easier to understand about the community, probably I should just, you know, uh, you know, separate myself from the transgender community as the binary transgender community, so to say. And, you know, to advocate my own like, gender fluidity ideas separately. Now, I mean, some more rigid or more binary transgender activists in Hong Kong, they're able to accept me as who I am. And uh, we no longer argue about whether I should be belonging to the transgender community. Um, but so that I think that's a good thing. Um, and of course, like within the LGBT community, most possibly because of, um, I'm very lucky, most of my, or actually all of my interviews um, on media, they're really positive. Um, and, uh, and I think it also helps promote kind of this positive representation of the gender minority in Hong Kong. So I think that is very important. So you have some like representations that are more positive, they're not only about victimizing people or putting people into a very, you know, a passive, suppressed mode, but to, you know, allow, you know, you know, liberation and, you know, all this, you know, um, subjectivity, you know, positive subjectivity of, you know, of um, transgender, you know, or non-binary people. That's very important. So within the LGBT community, they're very supportive of me um, being, you know, advocating on these um, issues. Um, and for the public, I think um, 
One of the most interesting thing that I observe is that in recent this one or two years, when so I've been doing like promoting all this gender fluidity since well, I was saying accurately two thousand sixteen, so I've been a few years, um, and I feel like you know uh, right now when I go to, um, when I go to a public lecture or even a you know, just, uh, you know, going to a class and talking about, you know, gender fluidity. I always meet people that, you know, after the talk, after the sharing, I always meet people that they tell me that I actually identified as a gender fluid and uh, you were the first one that I actually see about myself or, you know, to reflect on my identity. And I feel like that is very positive and that is very, you know, um, um, that is very, very important to me because that's that, that 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 is the purpose of why I started doing advocacy because I want really more visibility of the community of my identity to let people who are struggling especially to actually know that they're never alone because I have experienced the period of time in which I felt like I was the only one in the world that you know that face that kind of you know um you know confliction all these like bad emotion, depression whatsoever, um, because I didn't know who I was. So I really, I don't want young, younger generation especially to struggle, to have that kind of struggle. Um, if they can see someone on television, you know, on someone on, on, on the internet, on social media, that, oh, there, you know, there will be someone who is usually more, who's actually more weird than me. Then I think that is, that is a good thing because, um, then they will know that, oh, I'm not the worst one probably in the world. I'm not the only one. And uh, that was my main purpose. So um, I've been, when I, whenever I do lecturing or sharing my story, the most inspiring thing is always when someone come up to me and say, oh, I'm actually struggling and I want advice from you. Or I, you know, I really was inspired by your story and I would like to also to you know, reflect more on my identity. I mean, those are, those are very important for me. We will be back shortly while we take a quick break. We now continue our conversation with Siu Fung about their connection with Hong Kong and some prospects they have for its people during uncertain times. Um... I always feel a sense of belonging in you know in Hong Kong, and I feel like Hong Kong has a lot of, um, in terms if you talk about you know gender and sexuality or even sports or you know the fitness culture, we still have a lot to catch up, but this is still our home in a sense. So although we are a bit slower than maybe neighboring places, right, or in other Asian places, in terms of you know having same-sex marriage, in terms of having more gender and sexual you know gender equality and also um, you know sexual freedom, we still have a long way to go. Um, I feel like it's still worth to to fight for you know all these equal rights, um, especially for all these like gender and sexual minorities in Hong Kong. Although there are circumstances that I might not be totally feeling great about what's going on in Hong Kong right now, I still feel like you know there are a lot of still a lot of things that we can do in terms of opening up people's minds to accept different kinds of possibilities. Right, not just sexual and gender or body possibilities, 
but a lot of different kinds of possibilities. You know,、um, I always believe in diversity. I believe in inclusion. I believe in you know, allowing people to voice out what they really think, and have a safe place for them to voice out what they are concerned about. So, this is very important for not only me, not only a minority, but everyone in the society. We are all connected as one, anyway. With all these different uncertainties that's going on, no matter the 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 virus or even the political situation in Hong Kong, I think one of the important thing that we have to do is we have to go back to ourselves. My experience, my journey allows me to actually forces me to look deep into myself to really have that curiosity and that persistence. To find out who I really am, and you have to go inwards to yourself and to search for who you really are,、um, despite everything that's going on around you. And I think that is that is something that I am working on right now. And I feel like people who are very confused, very frustrated about what's going on in Hong Kong right now,、um, should also you know come back and go inwards to yourself. Because to freely liberate yourself, I mean, to freely feel liberation or feel freedom, you have to first liberate yourself. Meaning that you have to. For me, it means that you have to be able to break through all these like、um, binary preconceptions that you have imposed or internalized throughout your life. For me, gender is my lesson. So my sexuality, my gender identity, is my lesson to learn how to break through some kind of binary. You know presumptions that I have always imposed on myself, and everyone have different lessons. So I think that the very important, very crucial thing for us to do right now,、um, despite all these uncertainties, is to really come back and to see who we really are. So that's the that's the feeling about not particularly Hong Kong, but、um, I feel that everyone has to do it. You know. Facing all these different kinds of, you know, unrest, uncertainties that's going on in our society. We thank Su Feng for taking the time to share their amazing stories with us, and we thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe or follow Hong Kong Heartbeat on your favorite podcasting platform to get notified about new stories about the city. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you very soon.